Hello, this is Cuppy Cup from GoodBullHunting.com, and today I am very pleased to say I'm joined by Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com. Kendall's going to help us break down the Super Regional between Texas A&M and TCU. Kendall, do you want to start by giving everyone your Twitter handle so they can give you a follow? First of all, I'm impressed that I get introduced to Indian Outlaw. That's a, that's a, that's a special accomplishment. <laughs> well, one of the few things that I actually know about Aggie baseball is that that was walk-up <laughs> music for Luke Anders a few years back. Man, that, so you so you really are a sports fan if you know uh, Luke Andrews' walk-up song from what was that five, four or five years ago? Yeah, I get. Well, I was in school That's then, impressive. so I think I know more about that time period than I than I do today's today's team. Yeah, but anyways, I thought that was cool. But anyways, <laughs> uh, for me, Kendall Rogers D one uh, on Twitter. I'm, I'm not quite as funny as you guys are, <laughs> so I go ahead and warn people. But uh, you will see a lot about A&M baseball over the next uh, uh, next week. And for, for folks in College Station, you hope you're done talking about A&M baseball for the next three weeks. Awesome. And Kendall's a great follow, so I encourage you to follow him. Check out D1Baseball.com and also give at D1Baseball a follow. And it's D and the number one baseball. All right. So... I I admit I don't follow Aggie baseball that closely, but I think like many other kind of all around Aggie sports fans, I really get into it when it comes time for the regionals and the super regionals. Uh, so now I'm starting to get excited again. And I wanted to kind of lean on you for your expertise since you actually sure. know a lot about collegiate baseball. And like every single media interview that's going to occur leading up to this Texas A&M versus TCU series. Yeah. I'm going to start with a Boomer White question. So mm -hmm. I think all Aggies know that Boomer White transferred from TCU to Texas A&M, but we don't really understand the circumstances that surrounded that. Is there bad blood there? There really isn't. You know what? It's funny. There really isn't. Uh, when when he transferred, I remember talking to the A&M staff, and I remember kind of asked them, you know, hey, what, you know, what's the story here? And everybody I talked to legitimately just said, like, hey, the guy just wants to be an Aggie. So being being who I am and the fact that I like to dig in all these stories, I was like, I was like, that can't add up. <laughs> that, that can't really be the case. He really wants to be an Aggie or go anywhere so bad that he wants to sit out an entire year. Uh, I just didn't believe that. And right. so, uh, you know, I, I called Jim Schlossnagel at TCU and said, hey, uh, this is what I'm hearing. And uh, he pretty much said, yeah, that's pretty much that, that's pretty much the reason why he left. And so it wasn't so a was no, it wasn't a depth chart issue or something like that not at all. He was a, he was a starter. For, I mean, he's, he's one of their best players. Right. So, so it's super uh, rare, right, for something like that to happen. Yeah, he's just a kid that uh, you know wanted to wanted to be an Aggie, and uh, I, I guess we should have probably seen this coming a couple of years ago when he uh, uh, almost uh, kind of started a brawl between Texas and TCU. Uh, when they played <laughs> Texas, he, he always kind of played with a chip on his shoulder, and I, I guess we kind of see now see now why that was the case. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I read something recently that Boomer White wears his Aggie ring while he plays so it's it doesn't get much more red ass aggy than than that yeah i don't know if he does that i don't think i've ever noticed that that'd be kind of hard to play baseball with a ring on but maybe he has under his glove yeah i think well i think that's why it was such a big deal i'll have to pull up some pictures and then i'll i'll, I'll tweet them at you and you can you can tell me yeah, if he's really doing that yeah for sure <laughs> that really just that really is uh pretty red ass we did yeah that. Wow. <laughs> absolutely 
All right. So I've I've probably uh, over communicated my lack of knowledge about Aggie baseball. But uh, but I, I know, you know, a few of the the, the big hitters and, and some of the sure. starting pitching staff. But which Aggies are really hot right now? Who's performing well going into the Super Regional? Well, I think this this whole team is, and I know that's a little bit cliche to say, but I really do. I feel like, you know, when you look at this club top to bottom, uh, there's really not a weak spot. I mean, uh, Nick Banks uh, in, the, in the SEC tournament was was sizzling hot. You look at the, you know, you look at other guys at the lineup, Austin Homer, the nine-hole hitter, uh, you know, has been very consistent hitting the ball lately. You look at Jonathan Maroney, you enter him in the lineup, and, you know, he's uh, he's been a big power producer uh, since he went to the lineup. So, uh, I mean, just top to bottom bottom this lineup has been pretty relentless and I think on the mound you know I think uh, you know you look at Brigham Hill and Kyle Simons is, is both guys who pitch very well and of course uh, Andrew Vincent and Mark Ecker Mark Ecker for me um, has been the guy over the last month or the, not the last two months that has been the most impressive I mean you're talking about a guy who you know if you're if you're an MLB draft person and you're following the draft later this week he's a guy that could that will see his name called the first couple of days he could be very well be a top two or three rounder uh, he's, he has shown electric stuff over the last month and a half of the year and uh, you know what really he might be the nation's top closer at this point with the way he's pitched so uh, just to, top to bottom uh, I know I know there's battered Aggie syndrome out there <laughs> but the top, the top to bottom I mean this is a team that when you look at teams that should win the national championship uh, for me I look at A&M I look at Louisville and I look at Florida I think those three teams are very much uh, ahead of the rest of the pack and I mean that's not to say TCU can't win this series because they can but I think it's going to have to be A&M's undoing more so than it would be TCU's doing right and you you mentioned battered Aggie syndrome well it's interesting because yeah. leading into the baseball season uh, you'll remember the player's name I forget it but the the guy from Lufkin who had to leave the team the pitcher yeah, yeah. yeah so so we were all kind of like doom and gloom about the baseball season and then it, it turned out to be fantastic uh, at least to this point so well, as much as uh, Aggies chirp about how Rob Childress isn't very good, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> the guy lost two weekend starters last year uh, to, to injuries, uh, got to Super Regional, and then uh, this year lost his Friday guy, and he's in a Super Regional and, and has a chance to win a national title. So it's pretty good for a guy who uh, who some message board folks uh, think stinks. Right. Well, I haven't seen anyone call for his head in the last couple of weeks. So uh, Yeah, amazing how that works, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that, how, that, yeah. how that goes for the rest of the season right uh so you kind of touched on this already but but who do you think can can win it all who who has a chance to win the college world series this year uh, I mean, I think those three. I think yeah. you look at Florida, Louisville, and AM. I, I just think you look at all three of those teams. And when I look at teams, uh, they have the ability to win a national championship. I look at teams that are balanced. And that's not to say you can't have somebody come out of the woodwork because, I mean, remember, Virginia last year was a team that barely even made it in the postseason. Uh, they go on a run and win the College World Series. So there's always the, the caveat there that that could happen. But uh, I just think you look at these three teams. Look at AM as a team that's very balanced from an offensive perspective. And then on the mound, you know, the, the one concern people have about A&M is a number three starting role. Well, you know, Turner Larkins threw well over the weekend. The other thing here is in Omaha, if you can win a couple of games, I mean, you stay out of that loser's bracket, you don't even need a third starter. You can bring your number one guy back uh, because if you win the first two games, you've got three or four days off. So uh, all of a sudden, the number three starter is, is almost rendered is almost rendered not even needed. So, um, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing there. And I think when you look at Florida and Louisville, again, like A&M, uh, just really balanced. I think 
think you look at uh, you look at Florida is probably the deepest pitching staff of, of teams left, and I think you look at uh, Louisville is probably the probably the most balanced club. I think if you really took a took, took a team and wanted to have the most balanced team, I think Louisville will be that team just by hair over a And M, just because I feel like Louisville has three very good weekend starters. So uh, for me, it's those three teams, and I think there's a drop off after that. And uh, knowing my luck, all three of them will lose this weekend after I said that. So. <laughs> Is is Louisville a traditional baseball power? I don't follow it that closely. They, they are not. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, it was about I don't know. Uh, my, my brain's fried from the regionals over the weekend. But uh, you know, Dan McDonald when he went there, uh, he was previously an, an assistant at Ole Miss. Was a, the Citadel before that? Uh, when he went to Louisville, I mean, they were they were just awful. Uh, Lalo Prado, a guy that ended his career at South Florida, you know, was there at Louisville. They didn't have a great facility. Uh, they they didn't win. They were bad. And McDonald went there in his first year. Uh, you know, the first couple of years gets to Omaha, and now they're a perennial power. And now they're in the ACC, and they're still winning at a very high clip. So, right. uh, Dan McDonald's a phenomenal coach, and you know he's a guy that Texas would have probably looked at pretty hard for their head coaching job. And uh, there's a reason why Louisville just signed into a ten-year, one million dollar per year deal. Uh, it's because of schools like Texas potentially coming after him. And he's done an uh, amazing job. Louisville is not a perennial power. Uh, it was, was not. Uh, now they are. And as, as you've probably seen online, now that we're now that Texas A&M is in the SEC, we don't care about Texas at all. But I thought yeah, I thought sure. I should ask you who you think Texas's next head coach will be. Yeah, we all know Aggies don't care at all about right, Texas. Right. And we all know <laughs> Texas clearly doesn't care about A&M. So. <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know. It's it's interesting. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people try to draw parallels between Texas football and Texas baseball uh, in terms of their coaching hire. You know, a lot of people thought Miss Terry was looking at houses for Nick Saban mm-hmm. uh, during the football coaching search, and that was complete BS. And uh, I, I think this this search for them is going to be a little different. Um, I think you look at Texas football is a, is a much tougher gig for me to turn around. Uh, I think the, the the expectations in Texas football are incredibly unrealistic uh, when you look at the landscape. I think Texas baseball. Uh, you know, I mean, you're, it's not like Texas football where they, they think they're God's gift to football and they've got five national championships. You know, Texas baseball, I mean, hell, they've been to Omaha, what, 42 times? Um, so uh, that, that's quite a tradition over there. And I think Texas probably, if I'm a betting man, would probably get Kevin O'Sullivan from Florida. A lot of intel suggests this, that Sol- O'Sullivan uh, is leader over there. And I think if they don't get O'Sullivan, I think it gets to Brian O'Connor of Virginia okay. or uh, Dave, David Pierce at Tulane. David Pierce, of course, a guy that uh, Aggies will remember was at Rice uh, when Rice really had a role. And so uh, I don't think it's going to be like football where they get turned down by 18 guys before they get to their guy. Right. I, think, I think they're going to make the right hire here and uh, not not uh, not screw it up. All right. Well, I don't I don't know what I'm rooting for there. I guess I I don't want Florida to have uh, a great coach, but you know, I'm I'm always rooting against Texas even if I have to do it in secret. Well, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, Texas baseball isn't going to be down forever. Right. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, it's it's funny, you know, Sullivan and, and Childress are pretty good friends. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head at those two, if he goes over there, uh, you know, the A&M and I would like to see A&M and Texas kind of do a, a weekend series like Clemson and South Carolina. Yes. Clemson and South Carolina, if you're not aware of it, they do a, a home game, a home game, and a, and a neutral side game on a weekend. So, you know, they would go to College Station on a Friday, 
Austin on you know uh, Sunday, and in the middle game you'd either play it at maybe Round Rock or the Sugarland Ballpark, or you know you'd find you, you try to find somewhere that's either heavy A and M or heavy Texas, and you play that a neutral side game. So I, I'd really love to see the two schools start doing that. I think when you look at the 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 atmosphere at the Tuesday game and at Olson Field early this year, uh, I, I don't give a damn what anybody says. Uh, those are two teams that really cared about beating each other. That <laughs> yes. Night. Yeah, I, with the as as evidenced by the the horns down uh, chatter the next day, right? Exactly, no doubt. So, kind of taking a turn back to this Texas A&M versus TCU series, I really don't know anything about TCU other than the fact that Boomer White transferred from TCU and that they beat us in the Super Regional last year, uh, and that was kind of a heartbreaking loss. So, yeah. this season's TCU team, what would you say are their major strengths? You know what? They're a lot different. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to some, you know, I even talked to, I think my mom, cause my, you know, all my family obviously are big Aggies. And I remember one of my, I can't remember if it was my mom or dad, like, you know, Oh hell we get stuck with TCU again. Uh, this, this isn't last year's TCU club, uh, TCU last year. And that's not the, that's not to put those guys down at all. I think TCU is a very solid club. Jim Schloss singles done an amazing job actually mm-hmm. to get this team to back to where it was, but this is not last year's team. Uh, last year's TCU, team had a, had a lot of key veterans guy like Cody Jones uh, in the outfield was a, was a key cog for them Keaton Jones in the infield was a steady handed shortstop and uh, you know you look at the their, their pitching Preston Morrison is one of the best pitchers in the country uh, they just had a lot more firepower and so um, you know the difference with this year's club I feel like they're a little bit more vulnerable on the mound they're, they're not quite as deep you know from a bullpen perspective uh, they'll probably only go two or three deep this weekend Brian Treglaff uh, Durbin Feltman uh, is another guy uh, you know uh, I think those are the two guys they really try to rely on and then from a pitching standpoint uh, with Luke and Baker not being able to pitch he's, he can hit uh, but he hasn't been able to pitch for a while because of a, from a forearm strain uh, you know that puts a lot of pressure on guys like Brian Howard uh, Jared Jancic and uh, Mitchell Traver uh, the interesting thing for me is going to be seeing Mitchell Traver against A&M this weekend because Mitchell Traver, if you guys, uh, if you remember that Super Regional last year, you know he was the big kid who pitched against A&M, and I don't know how many freaking people he struck out, but I mean A&M was hacking at the curveball <laughs> the entire game, right. and uh, you know we'll see what happens this weekend. I mean that that could be a, 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 a you know tick in their favor. Uh, I just think when you look at, at TC overall, I just don't feel like they have the firepower to beat A&M this year on the road. I think you look at A&M. Just team that's going to be a home I think they're a team that's going to be I mean I don't even know if motivated is even giving it justice I mean I can't uh, it's, it's like extra 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 motivated and I think Adam's going to be locked in and I, and I I mean I actually would be a little surprised just the three game series I'll be honest with you I think it's going to be a two gamer all right well we we hope you're right uh on on that account so yeah, if I'm not, there'll be some people biting their nails on Sunday. Oh yeah, for sure. And what wasn't last year's super regional? Didn't game three go to 16 innings? Am I remembering that? Yeah, I, I would prefer that not to happen. <laughs> yeah. We know the worst part of that whole thing last year was I remember, you know, watching it. I think it was like 1 a.m. or something. And I remember sitting here watching. The worst thing about it, like, you know, somebody like myself who, you know, watches so many college baseball games throughout the year, you know, you start getting invested in it a little bit. And when you watch games like that, you know, you don't want to see it come to an abrupt halt. And I still remember whenever. You know, Ronnie Gideon makes that throw, and, and Michael Barish can't come up with the ball. Right. TCU scores, and TCU wins. ESPN literally like cut straight away from the game. <laughs> like, as soon as the winning run scored, they just cut straight to Sports Center. So I'm sitting there like, you know, what in the hell just happened? Right. 
Like, did that really just happen? And so, uh, hopefully this year, we don't. not only do we not go 16 innings, but we don't have a, a game that ends in an abrupt, just ridiculous play like right, that. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, they don't They don't really give you time to process it like they do with football with the post-game interviews and, and all that. No doubt. And, you know, I, I personally hate post-game interviews, but for, that, for those situations, I kind of prefer right. it. <laughs> or at least watch the celebration on the field, although I guess we didn't really want to see that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So my final question for you is, and we're, we're doing a little pandering to the Aggie fan base here tonight. Um, so what is, what's your favorite thing about the Raggies or Aggie baseball fans in general? Well, I'll say this, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, when I was in school, there it was more so, uh, you know, I was more focused on, you know, my current job doing college baseball coverage. So I wasn't quite immersed into that. But, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, growing up, people always ask me, coaches around the country, whether it's North Carolina or LSU or any of these coaches, they always ask me, like, how in the world did you even get in college baseball? Like, why are you, you know, how, why are you covering, you know, how have you been covering college baseball for 13 years? And, you know, I still remember the first uh, series I remember going to an A&M series, and it was a 93 uh, regional when A&M played North Carolina. I just remember the atmosphere for that game being absolutely incredible. Uh, I remember the North Carolina – Cookie Massey, I believe, was, was his name. He's a big kid. Uh, the, the Raggies were just all over that dude the entire weekend. And by the end of the regional, I think North Carolina was getting beaten so bad uh, I believe the Raggy started chanting "Let Cookie Pitch" because North Carolina was literally out of pitchers, <laughs> and I remember he he bowed to the crowd, and, and from that point on, I just fell in love with college baseball, and and uh, you know ninety nine point nine percent of it is because of those experiences of you know the guys in Section two hundred three back in the day, right. uh, the original kind of the well they're not even the original Raggies, the original Raggies back in eighty nine, but you know that 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 crew and just you know seeing the crowds evolved, I, I still remember in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, the Texas Friday game. Uh, I still remember seeing people just packed around the ballpark. So, but I think they announced the attendance that night at like twelve thousand eight hundred or something. Uh, unfortunately, some some uh, some moron, you know, put trash in the dumpster uh, in the regional that year. So they, you know, Bill Byrne uh, ended up, you know, you know, cutting out the um, what you call it outfield seating. All right, but uh, anyways, uh, you know. That's how I've gotten hooked on it, and that's probably for me the best thing about it. I think just the just the consistent traditions that you know Rick Hill running the PA, uh, just the you know constant traditions is as much honestly as much as the train stuff annoys the hell out of me. It's still pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know when you talk to coaches that go to A and M, they always talk about how cool that is. You know I was, I was laughing the other night. Uh, you know. Uh, when the uh, oh who was that Minnesota was it the Minnesota pitcher got up to like ball twelve or something yeah it was eleven or twelve still, yeah people were still chanting at it and is you know that that's unique uh, you know L- LSU's rowdy no doubt sure. about it LSU's rowdy but LSU doesn't have little little intricacies like that at, at their ballpark either so that for me that's what it would be just a, just the little small things that you know uh, from the outside it probably looks pretty stupid but from the inside it's it's stuff you'll remember forever. Sure. Yeah, that's like everything, right? With Texas A and M, so we we yeah, take pride the, in that what stuff. It, yeah, what is it? The the bumper sticker, or the outside you can't explain. I don't know. That was a long time ago. I saw that bumper sticker. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Highway six runs both ways. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I've been I've been told that plenty of times. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quote unquote sip, sip, sympathizer. Howie six runs both ways. <laughs> I wear Burnley underwear. I've heard it all. Well, you cover you cover collegiate baseball in Texas, so it would be hard for you to get away from that label among the the Aggie fan base. I think. Well, the thing I here here's the thing that's fun about this weekend is Aggies think I like Texas, and TCU fans think I'm an overboard Aggie homer. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to mesh together this weekend. That's going to be interesting. Well, I'm sure whichever squad loses will be all over you for that. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thanks. This was a fantastic interview. And we're actually doing this interview at, at 1218 a.m. Um, on, I guess it's Wednesday morning now. So I know we this are. is the, the busiest time of year for you. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, for talking to me and everybody. Please follow Kendall on Twitter. Remind us of your Twitter Twitter handle. Uh, Kendall Rogers D1 and, and visit D1 baseball dot com. And with that, I'm going to play us out with some uh, music that's near and dear to our hearts. 